All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor, and I'm here with Jaden. Key! And we got Calvin. Hey! And uh, this is one that Jaden suggested. This is one of, uh, one of your favorites. Yeah, uh, I love this movie. We're talking about Jojo Rabbit today. And uh, this is a Taika Waititi film. Yeah, t- I, t- I love the way you say it. You say t- it different every time. Uh, tackle, tackle, whitehead. Takabudu, wakatiti. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce his name. That's right. Like, I like the movies he does. Yeah, uh, I watched, uh, I think it's Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. A little bit before one. I saw this. And it, it feels different, uh, kind of the way it's filmed and everything. But it's still a lot of like that same goofiness. Taika Waititi humor. Yeah. And that is, uh, it's this movie is lousy with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this came out in 2019 at a budget of 14 million. It made 90 million. Like it did really well yep. for for being a rated R Hitler movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was actually pretty successful. Um, yeah. So like my first thoughts on this is it's the the Nazi comedy everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> um, this film is like a, a laugh a minute until it's not, and then it kind of knocks the wind out of you by reminding you that like this really happened. Yep. And there's, I think a satire is really good in the way that you can deliver a story that would usually like upset people or outrage people. But then when you can kind of make fun of it, you can still deliver the elements of that story while not making it totally unpalatable for people. Yeah. So I, I like the way this is done and it, the story it's telling and it works because there's humor built into it. Uh, but yeah, there are definitely parts where it, kind of the wind gets sucked out of it and you're like, yeah. oh yeah, right. I forgot. This is awful. Yeah, it is. There's definitely parts like that. Um, and there's a lot of parts with a huge gut punch in yeah. that point in this movie. Um, I, mean, like, I understand there's like a lot of people who don't like this movie because they don't think it's appropriate to joke about stuff like that. And like, I get it, man. If you're like, if you're not a fan of that kind of stuff, if you don't believe that, you know, you're not going to find this humorous or you don't want to see humor and things like that. That's fine. You know, yeah. This movie's not for you. That's fine. But I think that there's very powerful things into this movie about making not light of situations, but showing you like a different side of what probably happened in like some young kid's mind. In right. Germany. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. And I was just going to say like, um, I think this is interesting. Like what we don't really have like any personal connection to these types of stories. So we want to be, um, you know, we we want everyone to know that we're aware of that, but I think there's a power that that um, satire has, um, uh, and I think this is an an important movie for a few reasons, not least of which uh, which is that the power that comedy has to undermine tyrants. Um, and I mean, Mel Brooks, you know, famous Jewish director who created the film The Producers, um, and that uh, satirizes Hitler and Nazism as well, is quoted as saying, like, rhetoric does not get you anywhere because Hitler and Mussolini are just as good at rhetoric. But if you can bring these people down with comedy, they stand no chance. And we see this still today with Internet memes of Xi Jinping as uh, Winnie the Pooh, the, the cave pu- oh, right, meme. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and even, like, the picture of um, Trump with his hair getting blown back in the wind like these people hate these men like hate those images right and i think that's everything you need to know about like what you know those this this subject matter might be um uncomfortable for everybody to see these people still depicted this way but when you understand how much more uncomfortable these men are of those images it really shows you what the power of uh of comedy can bring um in terms of uh cultural awareness to to these atrocities yeah Yeah. absolutely the fact that you can get a good laugh out of the most like loathsome regime that ever existed i think just speaks to how well this movie works like it's satire and that you kind of get a power out of like making fun of these people or like you know like hitler and the nazis and like that's why it works Mm -hmm. and it's not totally offensive um but yeah i want to move on into the look like the aesthetic of this film uh 
like I said, I watched uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, and then Taika Waititi also did uh, the Thor Ragnarok, and he's got like a he's got his own like style to his movies, and I thought this one was kind of a deviation from that. It's got a lot of like the really quick edits and cuts, which are like an Edgar Wright staple, like Baby Driver and yeah. Hot Fuzz, and it seems so weird to me that he feels like he has his own style, and so the way that this movie is edited together felt like he's kind of aping off someone else's style. I thought it was odd, and I kind of wish he just kind of stuck to what he normally does. It just seemed like a weird choice. Um, and it's definitely different. I, I liked it. I, I did like it, though. I especially like the aesthetics of like how the aesthetics change throughout the film with how JoJo's mindset changes throughout the film. I think it fits with that. Um, but yeah, definitely the cuts and stuff are a lot different than you see in any of his other work. Yeah. Um, it didn't really throw me off or anything like that. It didn't bother me or anything like that. I, think I, 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 I just thought have, it fit for this story. I, I, I think I just have a personal problem with Edgar Wright movies. So when I see yeah, it pop up in other movies. I also love Baby Drivers. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was really more of, um, it wasn't as consistent as it feels like in those types of movies. Um, it, they were just, they were momentary. Like the first scene where he's, you know, getting his uh, whole outfit together. Um, but I don't remember a, a ton of them you know, that hip hop style of editing. Like you say Edgar Wright and it's probably more that, but I always think of uh, Darren Aronofsky. Right. Because that's, you know, those are the f- type of filmmaking I actually care about. I think the way, <laughs> the way he edits it is always like in the service of like making you feel uncomfortable or it's like it's just a constant like shifting around. Yeah. Uh, it's always like action because not only is it really quick cuts, but it's also like a zoom and then a cut yeah. and or zoom out, shoot, shoot, shoot. And like so with this, there's an added motion to uh, the temporal change of the edits. Yeah. And I think when Edgar Wright does it, it's always supposed to be like fun, quirky scene. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. Uh, uh, that is not happening in Aronofsky films. There's nothing fun and quirky about what he puts out. I mean, I haven't, yeah, I haven't found anything like that in an Aronofsky film. <laughs> and I think that's what what makes Aronofsky great is nothing is fun about them. Nope, <laughs> they're all a nightmare. Um, but I I do want to move on to like Jaden mentioned, kind of how the the style and the look of this movie starts off one way and then it slowly changes like as jojo's uh kind of outlook is changing as well yeah. i love how the colors and the costumes in this are like really vibrant and it's so ch- it's such a departure from how we see every other depiction of germany in in world war ii films yeah because they're it's, always like gray and destroyed this is just yeah. very bright everything there was so colorful oh yeah like yeah. Uh, i love the like the house that jojo's in it's like all these yellows and pastels and teals and there, there's so much rich color and then uh scarlett johansson's character has like this this amazing wardrobe and these really pretty fancy shoes and the i guess shoes. there was a oh yeah the shoes there was a point made like by hitler that he wanted like germany to become like a cultural epicenter and like fashion would play a role in that so i look i really like the idea of there's like a a sense of style to this movie and the look of it that is again it's just something we don't see it's always like war-torn you know, buildings uh, in rubble and people have tattered clothes and worn shoes. And in this movie, it's like a, there's like a really a real richness to all the costumes. Yep. And I love the the way Germany is like the, the idea of depicting it that way is mm-hmm. such a it's so different than the way we see it everywhere else. Yeah, I also love it because so I thought this for a long time, I had a hard time dis, uh, differentiating this movie between uh, Moonrise Kingdom um mm-hmm. very similar yeah, yeah. yeah. at least i i don't i don't know in terms of story or anything like that but certainly it's i mean anything wes anderson i just thought this was an, a wes anderson movie because it looks a lot like it you're yeah, right it yeah because of all the colors and all of the, the the palette and everything um so you have like this atmosphere of surrealism to reinforce the childish perspective of of an indoctrinated boy so you have wild optimism blind to the atrocity so i i, I love how you, you say that that's like 
what Hitler wanted was it was a, a cultural uh, hub. And I think that Jojo's perspective is a reflection of that. And then you get that um, juxtaposed to the desaturated scenes of, of real tragedy, the hanging of the bodies and the invasion being the two most obvious. So it's almost like the scales fall from his eyes and he's no longer seeing through rose-colored glasses. So I would call the brightness everything seen through Jojo's eyes. Exactly. That's... Uh... One thing you make a huge point about is the hanging of the people. And mm-hmm. when him and Scarlett Johansson first arrive, and that's when they first see this, mm-hmm. he wants to look away. He wants nothing to do with it because I think it's disrupting the image that he has of Germany. And his mom makes him look at it. Like, yeah. This is the truth. Yep, exactly. Like everything that's desaturated then is is the reality. And he wants to look away from that. I wish like the reality was kind of brightened and in the end, not to... Not to say that these things were good, but that there was a the the cognitive dissonance that existed in Jojo's mind was being united with like his optimism for what the future would be with the while still looking at the reality of what he uh, of what the world really is. yeah, but, no, I, I totally yeah, I, I agree with that. I do I, I i I find the aesthetic of this movie to be like really, really fun despite like its content mm-hmm. and it that, that really helps with like kind of the humor of it. Because it isn't dark and dreary the whole time. Because yeah. then I feel like, because then you're being beaten over the head with how serious this situation is. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all the humor doesn't work. So it needs to look a certain way in order for like those points to hit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's just uh, along with that. I think it's just a massive part of the storytelling too, which is I mean, the whole story is about JoJo's development as a human, and him realizing truth and beauty and what it actually is, not what he's being told it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, like one like one massive scene, like one massive part about this is like unicorns. Like, So like in the beginning, like Hitler jumps out the window like a superhero. He's like, oh, I'm off to eat unicorn for dinner. Yeah, yeah. And then later in the movie, it shows him eating a unicorn and it's like fucking disgusting looking. Jojo thinking like, oh, this the stuff that he's doing is great and magical and like he's a superhero. And then like later on, he realized like, oh, that's actually like a horrible thing to do. Oh, yeah. He has a yeah. huge like perspectives change. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's all represented really well. Mm-hmm. I think one of the parts that kind of helps kind of the... The, the quirkiness of this movie is the uh, the score to it. It's got a lot of like fun poppy stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And so again, I think that's all of, all that kind of lighter elements working together to kind of ease you into the fact that this is a movie about Nazi Germany and to not be totally offended as soon as you turn it on. Yeah. yeah. I think it's still really uncomfortable though because we're watching, you know, we see all of that documentary found footage at the beginning, but we're, you know, listening to a Beatles song. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I love this song, but I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, there's certainly a, it, it, there's like certainly a tone they wanted to achieve. And I think the music and aesthetic all like works together. Like what we're seeing in the frame and then the music accompanying it all works together to achieve that. So I, I actually, uh, I I'm usually feel like I've been critical of scores lately because <laughs> I think they're either like there's not enough or they, they're too obvious. But this one was nice. It was, it's not overdone and it's just, it fits in really well. And it's like, yep. it's a little quirky, which is kind of how this movie feels. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, or you have something like The Humans, which had probably one of, probably the the second best score of everything, anything that we've done uh, in the last couple months. The I think the best score is probably Mother. <laughs> That's funny because Mother has no score, and, and the humans has the humans has music at the very beginning, and like that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> our best scores. Um, yeah, so I want to move on to characters now. Uh, let's just go right into JoJo. It's played by Roman Griffin Davis. And, Does an amazing job. Yeah, I, I. I'm always like pleasantly surprised when a child actor can like really pull off a character because it always feels like maybe not like a I don't just like 
oh, it's whatever. It's a kid, so it's not a big deal if their performance isn't that good. Yeah, he's on the screen the entire movie. Yeah, so, but, yeah. And I didn't have to do that with this movie because he's so good. It wasn't yeah. like ah, he's he's not so good, but it's okay because he's a kid. It, he was like he was great, and I all of his there's so much clever dialogue for him, and he's like this, this like comedic heart of this movie, and he delivers all of it so well. I thought he was great. Yeah, I honestly think that like my favorite moment of comedy from him is the beginning where he's getting like, you know, like talked up by Hitler. Like, yeah, what are we going to do? We're going to get out there. And he runs out of the house. He's just like, and he like puts his arms down, just like screaming. Whoa! Oh, like, like he's just like hyped up on xenophobia. But I think it's, I think it's a really smart move um, to make him, there's a big change from the book. Uh, to the movie, the mo- in the book he's like nineteen. Uh, he's a lot older. Yeah, it starts um, in thirty five too. It doesn't start at the end of the war in the book. Oh, that's yeah. Even so more you grow, you watch him grow up in the book. Yeah. Okay. And just so, continue to be a horrible person. Yeah. See, that's yeah. much. That's much different. Like, I don't think that you can say. I don't think that there is a point in um, to tell a story like that in in reference to nazis i don't think that we can that we're to the point culturally where we're okay with like looking at a really ugly part of nazism right now because it because uh its effects are still very obvious in uh smaller like right-wing groups still right yeah um so the fact that we like kind of we would create a character that we um that you would sympathize with just because he's the main character not because we show anything that he's good for he would kind of become a uh a countercultural uh icon for these really disgusting um right-wing groups so i don't think that you can do that i don't think that you would make a very good movie uh even if you had like a message behind it it's like the same idea with rorschach in um watchmen everybody like lots of people love rorschach but he's He's not he's supposed to and the same thing with punisher like he's not supposed to be a character that we that we care about but um he's they get turned into something else uh yeah. by these groups so i think making him younger is a good idea yeah especially with the with the the tone that we're trying to go through here yeah i don't want him to become an icon for the odinists yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and especially because like ideas of nationalism and bigotry are, are deemed excusable for a 10 year old boy because there's no logic or hatred behind the beliefs it's just the only paradigm he has to work with so it's a little different with an adult or even a teenager to still hold those same beliefs because they've reached a point cognitively where they can start to confront the logic of their worldview so rather than someone trying to hang on to their hatred it's a boy trying to reconcile his fear of jews and his love for his imaginary father figure and i think that's that's really that's that's part of what's going on here i think like what you were saying it's a lot of uh identity um uh that that this movie is really more about identity um but so so i think it's i think it's good to have a more boyish figure here yeah absolutely i I think it if if you don't, then this movie is not a success because I think that you're gonna hate the main character. Yeah, or it's like like yeah. you do in the book. I yeah. hate I hate him in the yeah. Book. Or it's like American History X with uh, Edward oh, Norton. Boy. Yeah, which is supposed to be you know some form of satire, different, obviously not humor, but yeah, you know, it's supposed to be like, hey, this is a terrible way to live your life, and then unfortunately, you know, Nazis see him as a glorified badass. And oh yeah, yes. which is awful. It is a terrible thing. Yeah, that's that's like this the the part that I that I think that. Set, why I think satire sometimes is a little bit um, not great because I even think of like South Park. Like I think South Park skewers culture and society and politics perfectly. I love it. I just, I just watched their newest thing like last night or the night before. It's amazing. I just yeah. I think I think you guys are totally right. If he's too old, it doesn't work, and because then it, it gets sort of 
like all, all the his interaction with Elsa doesn't make any sense then because if it's a it's a if it's someone who's more mature and understands what he's doing is wrong, then all of this stuff he's writing in this book is all awful. But if it's a, <laughs> <laughs> but if it's a little boy who doesn't know any better and he's totally indoctrinated into you know Nazism, then it's it's kind of like oh he's just a kid he doesn't know any better. Yeah, and so it only works if he's younger. And I, I do. I love the evolution of his character. Uh, it's really neat. I love how he uses the letters from Nathan. At first, he's using it to like hurt Elsa, and then later on, he's like sweet about it. Yeah. So I think there's there's a lot of like just fun elements that like show his change. Yeah. I mean, like the first letter is like you know obviously like he like hates Elsa or whatever <laughs> it is, and like he sees like it makes her feel bad, and yeah. he's like, oh, I did something terrible, and right. he corrects it right away because yeah. he's not a bad person. He's a sweet kid, and like he doesn't want to be. He wants to be a Nazi, but. He can't be. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should just move into Elsa now. Um, she's played by Thomas and Mackenzie. Uh, it's a great job, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's wonderful. Um, I love her introduction. It's like a real old school horror movie Dude, scene. yeah, it's fantastic. Like the, the way the score is and the way the, the camera like zooms in on the, the secret door and everything. And her and hand like crawls yeah. out of it. It's amazing. It's yeah. very, it, the yeah, everything is working together to make this really obvious, like ho- have a horror element. And I love that because... That's what Jojo would think of, mm-hmm. of a yeah. Jew. Like, exactly, yeah. Like he's told, he's like, oh, they, they have horns and scales and they live in caves. So like that's, it makes total sense like thematically why you would uh, introduce her in that way. And I love yeah. it. I think it's it's funny and it also like, it, it just feels appropriate for like kind of a, the way he would see her. Yep. And I love to, uh, Taiko Waititi said he based her, kind of wanted her to act like a character from the movie Heathers. Have you guys seen that one? No. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I know of it, but no, I can't think of... Like, so why, though? Uh, it's Winona Ryder is in it, and it's kind of just this group of friends that are like... They're like mean and catty and stuff, and like sarcastic and rude, which is exactly how uh, Elsa is in this. And like, she's like... Got a, a clever cruelness to her, you know? Like, she's always... She's, I love how she's just always making fun of JoJo, but it's always in like a really smart way. And that's kind of a lot of what like Heather's is like. They're like mean girls. Yeah, I was to say like Regina George. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I like that, and and uh, yeah, Heather's is a really good movie. I, I need to watch it again to like maybe make that connection a little better. Uh, I'd only seen it once, but I, I I picked up on it. I was like, I like that comparison, and the fact that he wanted to model her off of that movie. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. You have a Winona Ryder tattoo, Jade. I do have a Winona Ryder tattoo <laughs> from a movie that I've never seen. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what movie is she from? Uh, that one, that tattoo is from uh, Keanu Reeves' Dracula. I don't think that's what it's called, but I know Keanu Reeves plays Dracula in the movie. And yep. I love that you don't, don't even really know the title. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Just saw the picture in the tattoo part. I was like, I'll get that one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm a she, body forever. Yeah. She has just she has just some of the greatest dialogue. Like uh, you know, like yeah, she's kind of making fun of JoJo and like explaining how stupid this like hatred he has for Jews by like really playing up like all these like real tall tales and falsehoods. Yeah, I love that. She, he's like, where are your horns at? And he's like, oh, she's like, oh, they haven't grown in yet, not till you're 21. And she's like, oh, we live in caves and all this stuff. And uh, I love like I think my favorite line of hers. She's like, oh, us Jews were like you, but human. Yeah, it's just like such a a real backhanded thing to say like understanding like she's really making fun of him yeah uh yeah. not not telling some some falsehood about herself you know yeah. yeah and he still doesn't he doesn't quite understand it right because he's been told that they're not human this, this whole time so how what would you even mean by that like that's that's such a it's such a powerful thing for her to say because he can't even bring his mind around to think that he wouldn't be human right yeah right. exactly and i don't know i love her scene with Scarlett johansson and having a conversation about jojo and there's uh, ghosts are mentioned quite a few times in this movie. 
Mm. And Scarlet's like, you know, he's like, he's not a ghost. He's not, you know, he's just a kid who's freaking been blinded by this stuff. And there's nothing that Scarlett Johansson's character can do because if she tells him the truth or like what's really going on, then that puts his life in danger. Right. And see, I just think it's uh because at first you can see that Elsa doesn't trust Jojo at all. Right. She holds a knife up to him and she threatens him like, you better not fucking say anything. Twice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then that relationship grows and she starts to trust Jojo. And right. This, and yeah. And I think I think it's wonderful. I love that. Uh, it, we, so you mentioned Rosie. We should just move right into that Scarlett Johansson yeah. character as Jojo's mom. Uh, I do love, like you said, the knives. There's a scene later when she's like going to like make dinner. She's like, where are all the goddamn knives? Cause, <laughs> yeah. Because she hides them all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I love that because like too, it's like, um, like knives is just an important part of like power here. And so the fact that all of the knives are missing. Yeah. 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 Well, I love the, <clears throat> I guess, like the motifs or the symbolism of mm-hmm. the knives in the movie because, mm-hmm. like, they're often used, you know, as like something to destroy and like cause pain. And the very, like, you know, medievalish way to do it, I guess, is like you see what's going to happen if you stab somebody. Mm-hmm. It's and a very then, personal way to yeah. kill someone. And then, uh, the freaking the dude with the missing eye, what's his name again? Sam Rockwell plays Captain K. Okay. So, your, Cap- yeah, Captain K. When he finds the knife or whatever uh, when the Gustavo is searching the house and he gives it back to Jojo and he says protect your family with this as opposed to using it as a weapon to hurt somebody mm-hmm. it really is like like it's showing like he is in the same mindset of what Jojo is building towards mm-hmm. I just thought like that was a great great part I don't yeah. know like a little off track there but no, 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 no but you're that. totally right like too and plus we talk about like if you want to hop on the Jung train here for, for a moment like that's a Freudian symbol of like phallic power do you so, want to? yeah hi Get me on the train. <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh man. I'm sure nobody else thinks this is funny if you've been listening with us the whole time, but don't we don't care. We yeah. love it. <laughs> I will never get sick of pressing that button <laughs> to play that clip. <laughs> I sprung for this model specifically so that we yes. could have sound pads. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's obviously, so that's, you know, uh, a Freudian symbol as well, you know, phallic power. Um, it's really synonymous with the power to protect and destroy because it's, you know, it's piercing. Yeah. It's just like a phallus. Right. So it's, it's funny that it's used in so many different ways here. Like, like that, that knife drawer thing is so, is so funny to me. I just mm-hmm. think like to think like he kept confronting her with more and more knives yeah. and she kept stealing yeah, them. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and one of the reasons why I love that line and it's uh, and I love that character, uh, it's it's a very Taika Waititi character. It's she's there's like heart to it, uh, but there's also just so much humor built into like that character and her dialogue. I think Scarlett Johansson does a great job in this. Yeah, I think she's amazing yeah. in this movie. One of my favorite scenes is uh, when she's like, "Oh, you want to talk to your father?" and she gets like a, a fake beard and she puts on his jacket and yeah. he's like, "Don't ever speak to your mother that way again." And then she goes off into the corner. And she's like, "I yelled at the boy." She's like, "We'll go apologize." I love like that internal monologue she has with herself as yeah. both mother and father. It just is such a fun, quirky scene, and it's just a fun character who also has like is like a strong female character who has like strong convictions. Like she talks about, uh, she's like, "I don't hate Germany. I hate this war." She's like, "It's stupid and it's pointless, and I want it to be over." even if it means Germany loses. Like yeah. she has this like good sensibility about her. And I, uh, yeah, she's, and, and she's also just fun and, yeah. and mm-hmm. she has like, some great lines. And like, so like uh, in the book, her, the dad is still around at least for a little while. And then the grandma is also there and she really embodies all three of the characters in the movie too, which is a great job about. Mm. It was like in the book, like the dad is very anti-Germany and like all this stuff. And he has a lot of arguments with Johansson, whatever his name is in the book. I think that's what it is. Um, hmm. And then like when she, in like, 
plays the dad, it's very much like the way he is in the book too, which I think is very cool. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I love too, like we've talked before about strong female characters. Like she's kind of um, helping to lead Jojo, but she's also very interesting and strong in her own right. So it's not like her role is in, is, uh, in service of uh, Jojo's development. She's also uh, a reflection of anti-German, um, like an, uh, like someone who, like, uh, who's against the, uh, the war in general. Like she's a, uh, a collection of all of those ideals of like, um, what it means to be against Nazism and what it means to stand for, uh, the things that you believe in. Right? Yeah, and the sacrifices that it, that it makes, I mean, that it, that it will take, I mean, she loses her life. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. the possibility of her losing her son, her son losing his life too, over what she's doing, but it's for the greater good. So she has to. Right. Yeah. Like exactly. She doesn't have a choice, you know? Yeah. Great power comes great responsibility <laughs> yeah <laughs> right but i love how that's represented in the shoes like for yes. like her dancing and her tying jojo's shoes it's this idea of volition um yeah, and coming absolutely. of age and so for her and it's also the idea of like dance we're not free until we can dance in the streets right yeah and it's really it's really heartbreaking to think of like she's literally free uh when she's killed and that's when she's dancing, dancing in the, in the streets, street, yeah. dancing in the sky. I know yeah. that's not necessarily the the wordplay that Taika Waititi <laughs> was probably going for, but that's that's right. really what it is. Like I'm yeah. I'm free because I made the choice I think was right, right, and it cost me. Yep. No, and I yeah I I think her death matters a lot because I care about her outside of being JoJo's mom mm. because she does seem to have the right ideals and care about the right things. So I'm not just sad when he when she's you know you have the scene where Jojo goes and hugs her and tries to tie her shoes. Yeah, that's such a great scene. Like for him too. it is sad because I feel for Jojo and you know, but it's also sad because I liked her character a lot. And yeah, it's absolutely. sad that she's gone now. So yeah. she exists in this movie in a really great way, both as like a great character for Jojo uh, to like help him, but also like on her own. I think she functions really well. Yeah, I mean, like, even when she is helping Jojo, I I feel like most of it is like kind of trying to push him to be the right person to kind of grow up. Like when she ties his shoes together when they're on the stairs and they're. She's talking about like love and like how important that is in the world. He's like, oh, I'm never going to find that. I don't need that type of stuff. Like all he wants to be is a Hitler guard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah I have Hitler to to lead me to the right things. Right. Yeah. And yeah, no, I just think like even like her, her being a character as part as much of like a, as Jojo's development is like so independent on her own as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just like, she's not just there even in her re- interactions with Jojo just as a supporting character like she's her own person too yeah which is great yeah absolutely and i kind of think of like all of the other characters like that they're like side pieces side characters that kind of symbolize something on their own like you were talking about with captain k um and the whole undercurrent of the the you know the repressed homosexuality that he has with freddie finkel um and about how like they they want to be something other than what they are but they're kind of trapped right, right now right. and they're they're upset with themselves and they want Jojo to make the right decision. They want him to do the things that he believes in because this is what you'll turn into. You won't be able to act on anything that you actually want. You'll be in a society that hates you. Yeah. So yeah. there's a there's a fine line between having an enemy and then realizing that you you could very easily have been an enemy as well. Yeah. I uh, One of my favorite scenes is uh, when Captain K and uh, Gestapo have gone and they're checking out Jojo's house. Elsa's like posing as his sister and she pulls out the papers and I like that uh, Captain K like makes a point to be the one to grab the papers because he's gonna end up covering for her Mm -hmm. and I love that because in a way like you said he's trapped too he's kind of a part of a regime that like uh, 
wouldn't accept him or his lifestyle. So he's not going to out someone who also wouldn't be accepted either. I think they're paralleled for like different reasons, but I like that kind of uh, connection you can make between them that like they both wouldn't be accepted. So him kind of covering for her, I thought was like a really, uh, like a really strong scene. And it shows kind of the moral compass that Captain K has, even though he does bad things. It's like, he still is, in a way, trying to be altruistic, like when he yeah. can be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's trying to use his office to protect someone. And you see all of the scenes, like when he's like, I mean, in, in his introduction, when he's talking about, like, apparently we're doing just fine, even though you know the allies are you know backing us all down and <laughs> stuff. Like <laughs> we're on the back foot right now, yeah. but apparently everything's okay. Yeah, <laughs> like you can see, like he's very like every time he has to do something like that, he knows is wrong. Like in the book burning scene, we see Jojo like very confused and standing there, like why. You know why are we doing this? And then all of a sudden, everyone's like cheering him on, making him feel special and part of the group. And he's like, "Okay, I'll just join in then." Right. Which is like, I'm sure, like what kids who were pushed into Nazi propaganda when they were kids were doing. Like they were like, "I maybe don't understand this, but like everyone's telling me I'm special because of my heritage, and like we're all celebrating me for whatever reason." And you look at him, and he's in the background, and he looks miserable. Like what he's doing is terribly wrong. And every time he's doing that, you see him grab his little flask, and he gets drunk. Yeah. Every single time mm-hmm. he's doing something terrible because he can't handle it. He has to drown out his own thoughts. Yeah. He's always yeah. so snarky about everything. Like, yeah. Too, like when they're training in the pool, he's like, in case we get into a battle at a pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's always so backhanded about having to be a Nazi. It's yeah. like, he's like, oh, I, uh, I got reprimanded. Now I have to work in this office with all these kids. Yep. And <laughs> he seems to, yeah, he seems to really not like what he's doing, but it's like he's stuck there. And that's yep. it. And I, I, I think Sam Rockwell is great in this. And then he gets kind of a good redemption at the end where he, basically like sacrifices himself to keep Jojo from being, uh, Absolutely. yeah, from, you know, being killed. Yeah. Yeah. I love too how like he, uh, was designing his outfit. That, <laughs> yeah. With, with strong sexual or uh, homosexual overtones. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm finally going to fight for Germany the way I want to. Yeah. He's like, I have a, I have a gun that, uh, it sets out, it has a horn on top to play, annoying music. Like, <laughs> annoying music. <laughs> it is. It's really, it's really over the top. And he had a big cape and everything. I do. Yeah. I love the drawing. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And then Freddie Fink comes up behind him with like his own little cape. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's Alfie Al. He yeah. plays uh, Dion Greyjoy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally, totally missed that. We were talking about that last night, and uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how it's I missed crazy. it. He's yeah. a very unique looking person. Oh, I just, ima- I just imagine him. I, I don't think I've ever seen him in uh, Game of Thrones without that uh, gross wispy uh, beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen him uh, with a normal face instead of a mutilated one. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The look of someone who's been tortured. Yeah. yeah. His eyes were a little bit too closed for me to recognize. <laughs> to recognize what, what does he call him? Um, in uh, Reek. Reek, yeah. yeah. He just didn't look like a Reek to me. He looked like a normal Man, boy. That, whole, <laughs> that just makes me feel uncomfortable just even thinking about that. <laughs> right. Well, this is terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> Like, I hate this guy, but I feel bad for him. Right? Yeah. I want to move on now to Yorkie, uh, JoJo's best friend in this. I think some of the best comedic bits are come when they're both on screen together. They're, yeah. Like, absolutely. He steals it every time he's there. Uh, 100%. Archie Yates is the actor's name. He, he is just, he's wonderful in this. Yeah. yeah he gets his own Home Alone movie now because of this role. Yep. Is he in the new Home Alone? Yeah, he got, yeah, he yeah. got his own one. Yeah. It, that has already come out? Yeah, it's on, it's, it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, I don't know. I don't care. I just know. I didn't even know. I, I will not watch it. Yeah, of course not. I'm yeah. Happy for him. That's yeah. that's fun. That's good, good fun for you. Macaulay Culkin is in the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah, he is adorable. Yeah, it's and like uh, one of my favorite scenes when they're sitting in the tent and George was talking about how Hitler's going to be his best friend and you know he just looks over. He's like, I thought 
I thought I was his best friend. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, my heart just broke for this kid, right. man. He's and like, like, he somehow just never dies. Yeah. And like in, in the book, his character is called something different. He dies like immediately. <laughs> oh, well. It's like kind of funny. Yeah. It's it's much better to keep him around. Yeah. yeah he, he has some of the best like just comedic bits. He's like, I just somehow can die. <laughs> yeah. That's... I love it when he walks up on Jojo while he's having a conversation with Hitler and he's like, oh, I thought you were crying. He's like, are you a tear expert? Head York is like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> I love that, that JoJo always he finishes a lot of lines with he's like case closed. Yeah. Funny. It's, there's yeah, again, there's there's so much fun dialogue in this. But yeah, Yorkie's great. I love how he shows up and he seems to be like more beaten up every time he pops yeah. back into the movie. <laughs> yeah, he just can't be killed. Yeah, um, I think my favorite line from him from his uh, was when he was. Um, asking uh, Jojo like what what he would do like if he saw a Nazi and like oh I'd kill him and he's like how would you even know that you would find him like a Jew not a Nazi oh you're right yeah I'm sorry I'm just so yeah I know bent up on xenophobia <laughs> 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 um but yeah uh and he was and he was like how you know will they have horns and all these other things and if not they you know they smell like Brussels sprouts he's like oh I forgot about the yeah. Brussels sprouts <laughs> 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 which is Brussels not sprouts. not a I, that's not a um Anything that I've ever heard about? Me was, yeah, I don't I don't know if they made that up for the movie or if I, that was like a real thing. And I know that they they uh, they overblew a lot of stuff that mm. uh, when they talked about in oh, German yeah. classes or whatever, speaking of Jews, because I don't think they told them they had like horns and snakes for tongues. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be. Yeah, it's just like overblown. Like, this is how fucking stupid this was. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Which is the whole point is to really point out how dumb this was and it really yeah. happened. Yeah. Mm. Um. So I think we move on to probably the most touchy part of this movie. We need to talk about Hitler and Taika Waititi's portrayal of him. Yeah. Uh, I read, read a couple articles with him and he said he had done a little research, like watched old German movies to try and get it right. And then he kind of just got away from that because he didn't really want to give enough respect to Hitler as a person to portray that character in any like uh, accurate way. And so it's really funny because he, he's just a guy dressed up as Hitler with a New Zealand accent. Yep. And so I, I really love that he didn't like really try too hard to really embody this awful human being yeah and he's he even says other t- stuff he's like yeah i wasn't trying too hard because uh, hitler's a cunt yeah <laughs> so, uh i like how he's used in the movie and i think it's sparing enough that it's not uh, overly offensive to people who would have a big problem with that and i also like it's like little elements that show him moving further away from jojo as he's uh kind of learning more about uh like real life and how there's that one scene where he's literally like watching from a distance from binoculars, with binoculars. Yeah. and it's a great scene where he's talking with his mom and she's like explaining stuff to him like this is the real world like it doesn't it just exists as like yeah. a little nazi boy like there's more beyond this and i love that like hitler's far away for that yep and i think it's just a it's a good way to explain kind of the rift that's growing between him and this imaginary hitler that he has so much reverence for and then it just builds up beyond that there's more stuff where uh as the movie goes along, a lot of the Nazi propaganda on his wall is taken down. Uh, so at the beginning of the movie, there's posters and stuff everywhere, and then it's it's slow, they slowly go away. So I love all this movement away from him adoring Hitler yeah. and needing that to be a part of like his personality. Uh, and I I just really appreciate Taika Waititi not trying to take the role seriously and yeah. do justice for Hitler and how he actually was. I like that he's a, a joke in this. Yeah, which is I think very appropriate. I mean, that's the whole point. Certainly. Yeah, and uh, like him him offering Jojo. A cigarette every twenty fucking seconds. I love that. Yeah. It's just like he's not a good influence for kids. <laughs> he's like, I'm ten. Stop offering me cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. He's um, and like one of my favorite parts is like uh, 
when he's like, you're spending too much time with her, when uh, he's trying to like write the book on Jews from learning stuff from Elsa. Uh, but then he ends up like, you know, falling in love with her and, mm-hmm. or like having love for her and all this stuff. And, uh, Hitler's all like, you're spending too much time with him. Toast like, it was your idea, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I, love that. I, I, I just love that scene, yeah, because it's it's really just showing the conflict that JoJo's having in his mind. He's like starting to realize, like, okay, this is this is this is wrong. Like, there's nothing like this guy is not a superhero. He's not who I thought he was. He's yeah, and I just I love it that that's the way that that works, and that they use comedy to make that to make light of it. Kind of, not to necessarily to make light of it. Cause it's still a very serious subject, but to Make it more palatable. Like right, that. right. Yeah. You talked about the unicorn, like yeah. Hitler eating it, and the scene just before that, Jojo's been like looking through the trash for like scraps of food. Mm-hmm. So it still like shows that another distance growing between them where he's like, this is how I actually live now. Like my mom's gone because of you yeah. and I'm eating scraps and you're here like with all this decadence and everything. So it shows that like rift between them grow even more. And I really love that you brought up him, Hitler, jumping out the window like a superhero. Yeah. And then when... Jojo finally comes to terms that he doesn't need this character anymore. He kicks him out the window. It's kind of a Same reversal yeah, of that, yeah. yeah Where it's like awesome. now he's now he's the villain and he's been struck down. And it's just like I like that uh, juxtaposed nature of it's a similar shot, but in like it, the context is different for each one. Yeah. So what I want to get into now is I think a really strong or like a really implied part of this movie is it feels very American, but it's set in Germany. And one of the reasons I think that is, like we talked about, like the the aesthetic of it, it doesn't look like war-torn Germany. It feels like something that like is happening right here in our own backyard. And uh, another thing that lends to that is like just the 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 little uniform they all have. They all look like little Boy Scouts. I mean, yeah. they they, they it's something that feels like very Americana. And um, the idea of maybe a little American boy with uh, an, an imagined Roosevelt or Truman talking to him, I think that would get a lot of an American audience to watch and be like, yeah, fuck yeah, America, like let's go. But because it's set in Germany, like, and because it's Hitler, we're like, you know, obviously like, oh, bad, bad Nazis, bad. But this movie really feels like it could have been in America and it could be about American propaganda and how people are kind of indoctrinated in a certain way here as well. And I think that's something that's important to bring up. And Taiko Titi even said that he's like, this part of the story here is that it feels relevant to what's going on now because this was like during uh, Trump administration stuff. And Mm. obviously Hollywood leans more liberal. So to have the idea of that appear in this film doesn't like really surprise me. Yeah. I mean, me necessarily, I don't, I don't think about it as like Trump or anything like that as far as like individual parties. Like, and I look at it as, uh, you know, we're all growing up, we're all told to, you know, support our troops and like, which I totally am support of like every single person who is in our military as an individual, but I'm not in support of what, you know, the United States military necessarily does all the time. Which is a totally fair take. And yeah. if people have a problem with that, then that's fine. I mean, that's <laughs> you're more than welcome to take up yeah. with me. I understand. Um, but I think just blindly backing anything because that's what we were told to do growing up is wrong. And that's implied a lot into this movie and a lot into Jojo like awakening and realizing, Hey, like just cause Germany's doing it. And like, I'm a German and I've been told all these things my whole life doesn't mean anything. Like I'm not special cause I'm an American. I'm not special because you know, I'm a white, blue-eyed American dude. That's not the case. I'm just a person. Everyone out there is just people and there's people losing their lives over dumb shit all the time and we're grow, we're raised to just support this stuff all the time. You know, the American flag looks cool. Swatchkas look cool to these kids and we're just supposed to support it without without any question. For sure. Yeah, and I think that's what that's exactly what this movie is about. It's about skin. It's about identity. You saying you're a blue-eyed blonde American like um, like Jojo has fallen into the um, 
uh, that dichotomy of seeing where that double standard of seeing his scarred face and wishing people uh, saw him for who he was, even while his ideas of Jews are all based on these grotesque physical features. So we have several, uh, you know, we have all the, re the references to horns and scales and, and forked tongues. And when you realize that it's it's this is this movie is all about empathy and i think a big part like why i keep saying empathy all the time with movies and why i think hollywood leans left is because a lot of the ideals within leftist politics are about empathy and that's why it's it's kind of a circle jerk over there like you know you can you can make you can make uh good um points that the democratic party doesn't necessarily follow through that it's really like we're all in service of capitalism and you know these we have these sets of ideals for this party as like being like blah 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 um like there's know. that meme where it's like republicans as presidents like someone getting bombed it's like liberals as president someone getting bombed but there's a black lives matter sticker on the plane yeah exactly yeah. And oh I think, my god that's so good <laughs> oh yeah and it's and i think it's totally relevant like it, it's really like you know let's let's say that this is the thing that we really want to um uh, energize our base around the thing is is like I and I and I get that like I just don't want to fall into this nihilistic landscape like I was talking about with uh, satire in uh, like uh, South Park like you, you what you do is then you just create this world where nothing really matters everything is equally bad the thing is is like I would lean more towards left because um, it's going to be a generational thing. If we keep telling kids that these things are important, we need to have uh, empathy for others and not based on, on skin and like, like get them to the point where they're questioning whether like, what are, what are good things and not just letting them fall into patterns of, uh, of these paradigms that we're just, they're just given. Then what you'll ultimately create is society, a society in the future that cares more about people. Like, that's really the thing is I don't think that there is like, if I, if I vote Democrat for the rest of my life, am I ever going to see the change that I want in my lifetime? Likely not, but I'm going to still vote for the, the, the party that has, um, those, those ideals that are closer closer right. to what are, the way I want the world to, to be. And I think that's exactly what's happening here in this movie is like, can they actually do anything in Nazi Germany, but just hide and slap up posters and whatnot? No, they really, they're really not very effective. They die for it, but it's about, it's about, um, actions that are in line with who you are planting seeds for trees that you'll never see exactly and that's what makes the world a better place mm -hmm. i mean you gotta crawl before you can walk you gotta walk before you can run yeah and you can't just like expect things to happen immediately which is a big problem that i had with politics like just a few years ago i was like i, I was like there's no there's no point in doing anything because everything's just fucked all yeah, the time right but the problem is you can't change everything right away and that's not something you can do you have to plant little seeds and try to make things better for everyone else in the future you can't necessarily make it better for yourself but that's not the point this is a tough and charged issue to get through but i do think it's important to acknowledge there is an aspect of this movie that is a commentary on american politics mm -hmm. and so i think it's important to bring that up uh and again it, it makes all of that more palatable because it's it is a tough thing to, to sit down and talk about and so the fact that it's set up in this like satire comedy makes it easier to get through mm -hmm. and it makes it easier to recognize like those elements in this film without, you know, pounding your fist and being outraged or being upset about, uh, you know, whatever political climate we're in. So yeah. I think it's a, it, it's a, it's a good aspect of this movie. I don't think it's necessarily the point all the time. I agree with mm -hmm. what Calvin had to say. I, I do think it, it deals a lot with identity. Mm -hmm. So, but to have that as a layer to this movie, I think helps a lot. Yeah. And it, just it, it a adds layer. a lot more depth to yeah, this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything I just ranted <clears throat> about is just... 
is extra stuff that I know that it, it means. Yeah, it's but just it's the just frosting like, on the cake. It's not yeah, a little exactly. sugar on the substance. Yeah, a little <laughs> sugar on the ice cream. <laughs> but yeah, again, I, I think it's just an important thing to bring up. And we we have talked about a couple movies lately that were like classics, but we don't really feel like they're saying anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to, again, watch a movie that it feels like it has a message in it. And yeah. so, yeah, whether, whether or not, I, it doesn't really matter where you lean politically or what party you subscribe to this is still important to just realize the commentary that's going on here. Yeah. Which I, I mean, yeah, I think it's massive is there are things to do that are right, whether it affects you now or not. And yeah. that's, I think that's a huge thing. And like, that's, I think why Scarlett Johansson's character is so important. Right. Cause mm-hmm. she does things. She plants seeds in Jojo's mind that she never gets to see cause she loses her life doing that stuff. Yeah. But yeah. ultimately it leads to the outcome she wanted. Yeah. Of him being a good person. And I think that's really the moral of this story is like when you extend that, uh, that forgiveness that you want to, of yourself and your actions that you want extended to, and you want other people to extend to you. And when you extend that back out to the world, then everything works a lot better. Right. Um, we talk a lot about non-zero sum games. Uh, empathy is just um, another another level of a non-zero sum game. I'm not. I'm just giving you pa- compassion, and I'm getting back sa- the same amount of compassion, and we're both um, gaining something from this interaction. Mm-hmm. Right. You want me to lighten this up with a good fun fact? Yep. Uh, yeah, I love. I don't feel like we've had enough fun facts. <laughs> uh, so you know, uh, in the the office that Captain K has been sent to, that he's going to work in. They're like, oh yeah, all the all the Hitler Youth clones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are Roman Griffin Davis's younger brothers who are twins, and they reason they picked them is because it was gonna like streamline the budget and like a uh, cost for like uh, duplicating them in CGI. So there was two of them. Yeah. So they got to have a couple <laughs> of them. I love that idea. It's like you know, like uh, uh, looking out for the VFX artists. You know, like oh, you don't have to duplicate them eight times. You only have to do it four times. <laughs> so I love that. Uh, and yeah, it's 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 fun to see his little brothers in it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. neat. Uh, and then another part of like that scene, he's uh, Jojo's given like a uh, propaganda posters to go hang up. The translation for them say like free Germany and fight the party. So that's another part of Sam Rockwell's character, Captain K, that I think he's like, like we said, he's kind of against what he's doing, but he's stuck yeah. there. But it seems like he has subtle ways to like really put out what he actually feels and what he wants to do. So the propaganda that's coming out of his office is anti-Nazi. Yeah. So I like that. It's another like wrinkle into his character that I you wouldn't know unless you looked up the translation and figured it out. Yeah. But it's a, it's a neat little, like, subtle aspect to that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a very, I think he's a super, super awesome character. Yeah. And it's, he's subtle enough that where you have to pay attention and find the little things. Like, he's a good-ass dude. Like, yeah. He's just stuck, and there's nothing he can do, except there are things he can do, and he's doing them. It's mm-hmm. just hard to tell. Like, like, the scene in the pool when Jojo asks him, what should I do if I find a Jew? And he tells him, like, oh, you know, report it. And then they'll kill the Jew, whoever hit the Jew, and probably some other people just to be safe. Yeah. And obviously planting in the frame like, Jojo, you'll get killed. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I think he knows that Rosie has a Jew in her house because they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's su- he's so subtle that you don't realize how important he is until later. And he's incredibly important. Like, even though like he does have some major plot points, you can see him almost as important as Rosie is to Jojo's development. Um, you just don't realize like some of the things that he's actually doing at the right. time. Mm-hmm. So I want to move on to the, the climax, the culmination of this movie where, uh, like Elsa said, she's like, you know, she'll be free when she gets to dance in the street and everything. And so like the, the battle in the town has ended and you see like Americans drive by with the American flag and their Jeep and everything. And, and it's over now. And so she gets to go outside and I just, it's such a cute, fun little scene where they're like, 
they're dancing and it's funny because Jojo's trying to snap his fingers. Yeah. But he can't snap because there's an earlier scene where he's trying to and he like puts down the knife and claps. Yeah. Because he still can't <laughs> do it and it's fun to see him at the end of the movie. He still like can't really snap. It's just, it's a fun scene and it's a nice way to like uh, give a good end I think to Jojo and to Elsa's character. I, I, I love the end of this movie. Yeah, I think it's a very, uh, very neat bow on the top of Jojo's character development where it shows him choosing to be like his mom, Rosie, as opposed to anything else because major thing, he ties Elsa's shoe Right. Before mm-hmm. she goes out, which is what Rosie did for him. And uh, the line he says before they step outside, he's like, is it dangerous out there? And he goes, extremely, which is what Rosie said to Jojo after the after he got his scars and stuff. Yeah. They went outside. Yeah, it's perfect. It's, yeah. It's, yep. it's, it's a perfect tie-in of all these yeah. little things. And well, then they go out there and they dance and it's just like, which that's is what, exactly what she would have wanted. And well, that's actually what she said. We're not going to be free until we can dance in the streets. Yep. Yeah. For a movie that deals with pretty heavy topics and seems to make fun out of it, it's still it's it's a really nice ending to you know what what it, when you really break it down is a, a movie that deals with a lot of heavy stuff yeah yeah so I like that you can still like pull that out in the end yeah it's still very heartfelt and like you feel you feel good yeah. yeah like you feel like you're like okay I mean the right thing happened and everyone's happy yeah although I don't I don't think that this movie is uh, goofy enough um, <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah I just I think that I think the the dark parts are so dark that they really need to be utterly ridiculous yeah uh to really tease out um the problem with with the thinking like i know that they played up a lot of things um like rebel wilson's character just yeah completely over the top oh my god yeah exactly time. what a wonderful That's year a to be a girl babies. yeah what a wonderful year to be a girl in germany <laughs> <laughs> she's like here's the posters and here's your gun <laughs> yeah. uh yeah though she's i usually hate her in movies yeah i like she's utilized well in this yeah, <laughs> i'll yeah. say that mm-hmm and then I think the last thing I want to know what you guys think about whether Jojo was a real, was ever really a Nazi and why, why, why you think that he was or wasn't a Nazi. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with no. Mm. And I think the, there's two big lines that Rosie and Elsa say that dignify that. Um, and Elsa says, you're just a little boy who wants to be part of a group and like swats the guys. And when uh, Rosie says he's not a ghost, mm-hmm. um, and then the book the book burning scene where you no know, they're all saying they're burning books and you can see the discomfort on Jojo's face, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh wait, everyone's having fun, I should have fun too, type of thing, and then obviously the rabbit scene where he wouldn't kill the rabbit, yeah, and uh, and they're all like, you're not gonna be like the all of his counterparts, or whatever there's are, no, they, like, that kid's not gonna be a Nazi. He can't just murder innocent things for no reason. And yeah, it was just never in him. I just don't think he ever, he just wanted to be, you know, like me growing up, I wanted to be Brett Favre. That's what <laughs> I wanted to be. You know what I mean? Like, but I mean, I'm not a quarterback, dude. I have a bad shoulder. <laughs> and it's just, and, uh, you know, it's just something that he thought like in his mind was this like great thing to look up to and to become. And then he realizes what it is and. He realizes that's not who he is or who he could ever be or who he wants to be. And yeah, I just don't think that he ever was a Nazi, no. I couldn't disagree more. It is blatantly obvious that he subscribes to this party and like that is the only thing he cares about. And I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think uh, the thing that really like shows that it, the most to me is is how his own portrayal of Hitler changes throughout the movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, like Calvin talked about in the first scene, he's like getting really hyped up on Nazism. And like being a part of that culture and that that group, 
And then at the end of the movie, uh, Hitler shows up and he's like really, Hitler's like yelling at him. He's like being mean. And so like the whole like persona of Hitler has changed for him. And he's, he's showed up in a uniform that's like kind of torn up. So just bullet said, yeah. And so everything about Hitler, uh, in terms of personality and his, uh, the way he's portrayed has changed for Jojo. And so it, it really showed to me that it's, it was really just a surface level thing. Like you said, it was just being a part of a group. And so, no, I don't ever think that he was really a Nazi. And part of that, like you said, is he's a boy. Yeah. He doesn't know. That aligns with true Christianity. Um, you know, deep into really charged issues on this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to be part of a group, buddy. <laughs> I, I know, right? <laughs> um, so, so that's what I'm. So that's what I say. It's like I think that uh, too much. Um, everything should be about actions. Whether you're an atheist or a Christian, it doesn't really matter what you believe. It's it's just all about what you do. Yeah. Um, and, and empathy's a big part of that, Calvin. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's why. I, that's why I think movies are so important, especially movies like this. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's utilization of satire to tell a real story, I think, works out really well. All right, so I think we're getting close to wrapping this one up. Um, Jane, how many uh, how many double knots would you give this one? <laughs> <high issues? laughs> um, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's very heartfelt to me. Um, it's obviously not perfect or anything like that, but I'm giving this a 9-6. Oh, okay. Big, oh, wow. big fan, yeah. I'm, I, and I'm glad you brought I, it up, and yeah. it's always nice to... Like so outside of like cinematography and things like that, like it's still like I still love those things about this movie, but it's just like the heart and the story and the meaning behind it that I very much like. And it's always good to get a peer into like uh, the movies that we personally really like because yeah. we we talk about a lot of movies that yeah. maybe we are not like totally invested in or have a like a real tie to. And so I like I like when we get to kind of take a break from watching other things that kind of just exist and we are interested in talking about them and then change it to be like this is a movie I actually care about. Yeah. And being able to explore those and like why this movie mattered to you. So I, I like that you brought this one up. I thought it was a really good pick. Yeah. Uh, I would, I, I probably double knot this like seven times. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Oh, yeah, and I, and sure. I, I think the humor works. And like Still I said, a very good score. Yeah. 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 And I think uh, it, it, it brings up some real issues. And, and again, it, it's one of those movies that's good to have a discussion surrounding. So I, I like it a lot for those reasons. Uh, yeah. And, and I love costumes. This one had great costumes. So, uh, that always gets marks for me. So I love that. Yeah. The yeah. aesthetic of this. And yeah. And Yorkie's like, like crumbling costumes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just worse every time. He's yeah. The latest in German innovation. I love it when he drops the cannon. Jojo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so that yeah. He's great. Like, he's absolute scene stealer. Yeah. You're so right. hundred uh, percent. Calvin, where do you put this one? So I don't think it's, it's great. And like I was saying, I, I really wish that they had, made it even more ridiculous and surreal sometimes to really drive home. Like it has to be in um, proportion to how ugly everything is. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think it is here, but like he were saying, like we've watched so many movies that just don't matter. They don't mean anything. And I think this is one of those ones that really, really does mean something. It's a great, I mean, it's it's brutal. It's ugly. I don't think it's a kids movie, but I think it's important for kids to watch. <laughs> it's, so, it's so weird because it has the whimsical feel of a kids yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I would say that uh, I'd give this like an eight two. Wow, pretty good. Oh, yeah. I just think I just think the message is so important and is delivered in a way that um, it it fits. It's the only way that you can really tell this story and make it and make it matter. Right. I always hate when I have the lowest score on a movie I actually liked. Yeah, <laughs> I always have very high scores, especially with anything with Scarlett Johansson in it. So as long as we don't ever watch Ghost in the Shell, that train will keep rolling. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah, so true. Right. I don't. I like any any live action anime remake. Like I just will not. When Cowboy Bebop came out, like you cannot do that. Oh, that's already classic. been canceled. 
Yeah, yeah I know. I saw that. I was like, good, good. It's absolutely like they decided to make it like a, a, a an actual narrative through the full, first full scene. The anime is all just uh, serialized. None of the stories are connected. But then the the final episode ties everything together in this an amazing web of thematic elements, and it's like you just builds to a single moment where, where you're like, whoa. Right. That was powerful in a show that was very goofy up until that point. Yeah. Well, good review on Cowboy Bebop. Thank yeah, you. I've never yeah. seen that. Don't ever watch the live action of anything. Right. All right. Well, with that, uh, we're wrapping this one up. You can find us on any platform that you want to find a podcast on, like Spotify or SoundCloud or uh, Apple Music. Uh, we also upload all these to YouTube. So go ahead and leave a comment. Uh, suggest something we should watch. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we could. Uh, tell us what we're doing wrong. I, I like constructive uh, criticism. Or unconstructive criticism. Yeah. <laughs> Break us down. <laughs> yeah. uh, so with that, thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting.